All right, well, uh, let's now transition into uh, the Word. And you know what I feel uh, this morning to just start with some prayer. I'm going to ask, where's that music coming from? Mr. Jace. Let's give Jace a round of applause. <laughs> Mike, is it over here? Thanks, Jace. Well, let's just, let's pray. Uh, because this morning I want to talk about an important theme in the Bible, uh, one of the most important themes, and that's love. And uh, we want to look at how incredible the love of God really is and get into some uh, understanding about that from what the Bible teaches about how we can really truly understand ama- how amazing the love of God is. So we'll look at that in a second, but let's just, let's just pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, just this moment of teaching in your word. Lord, you know where every single person in this auditorium is at. Lord, you know if they're brand new, maybe they don't know you. Maybe they've known you for a long time. Maybe they've known you for a short time. There may be some people here, God, um, and they've known you for a while, but they've felt a little bit disconnected from you. Or maybe, Lord, there's someone here that's hurting and really in a fresh way needs to know you and needs to to, to kind of connect with you and, and, and really needs you to enter into a situation. So, Lord, uh, Father, we're not going to assume or presume anything. Lord, you are God and you know where people are at. So, Father, we pray, Lord, there'd be no restriction on your presence or your anointing or your, your power here today. Lord, through the word and just through the Holy Spirit moving through the auditorium, Lord, we would pray that there'd be such a freedom in this place right now for you to move powerfully, for you to also move intimately. Lord, for you to even pour into those secret places in people's hearts where, Father, only you know where they need help. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, that there'd be freedom for you to just move in this place through the teaching in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Well, this morning, I want to talk about love, and uh, I wanted to kind of start with a little bit of an introduction, and that is, this morning, we want to look at a lesson about love, and we want to look at, you know, this lesson around that God actually is love. And a lot of times when you look at the Word of God and you see the word love, you can actually change it to the word God. So when it says that, you know, love is uh, endless or love is eternal, well, God is endless and God is eternal. And so God himself actually is the epitome of love. Um, And so God is love. The lesson today is God is love and God's love goes beyond both the superficial. Sometimes there's, who knows that sometimes in the world, there's examples of superficial love. It kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's said that it's love, but it's just surface level and it doesn't really go very deep. Um, and there's, there's also generous examples of human love. Who knows that there's superficial examples of human love and there's generous examples of human love, yeah? Cool. Um, so God is love and God's love, though, this is the lesson we're going to look at today. God's love goes way beyond both the superficial example of human love and also the generous real example of human love. God's love extends way beyond any of those examples that we could see in terms of human love. And so why, why is there a benefit? What's the benefit of this lesson today? How are we going to benefit from this? Well, let me ask this question. What if, everyone say what if. What if we could, we could experience and we could benefit from actually knowing what God was really like and really knowing his love, which would then enable us to actually have a blessed identity, that our identity was actually blessed and that it was our identity and our, 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 our sense of who we are was coming from a place of assurance. What if we could know God well enough and know and understand his love and how true and how deep his love is? What if we could know that so well that the benefit would be that we'd have real peace, we'd have real confidence, and we'd have such assurance that life that we live out actually comes from that place of assurance. It comes from that place of already being loved, of already feeling secure, rather than actually trying to be something or trying to become someone in order then to be loved or to reap love from that. Who thinks that there'd be a benefit, right? If we could really understand the love of God and we could, love, we could understand how assured we would feel if we knew how much God loved us, that we could actually, from that place of confidence and from that place of acceptance and from that place of being loved, we could live life from that rather than actually trying to become something so then we could actually receive love or acceptance. And so there, there would be a key benefit. But how many of you realize here that most people 
most people in life throughout the world are striving, striving in a very strong way uh, rather than, uh, you know, already being accepted or being a little bit. Lots of people are striving very hard to become something uh, so that they then, they've got a sense of worth so that they then can be recognized and they can be loved and they can be accepted or loved by the world. Who knows that a lot of people are doing that right now throughout the world, right? They're working so hard to become something. They're working so hard to improve themselves. They're working so hard to develop themselves. They're working so hard to achieve goals. They're working so hard to build their life. They're working so hard to build their family. They're working so hard to build their business so that they can actually achieve things so that one day people around them will say, you know what? You're doing pretty well. And the impact is because a lot of people live life that way, they're trying to become something in order to be loved, to be recognized, to be praised, to receive some type of sense of identity or worth from the world. The impact is that people end up living life like rats on a treadmill. That's the impact. People end up living life like rats on a treadmill, constantly trying so hard to become something, but never ever feeling like they can actually get off the treadmill because there is always something more that they need to do or achieve or change for someone else in the world to love them or accept them. Who knows if that's the impact? And so what if, everyone say what if. So what if there was a solution? What if there was a solution to end the dreaded personal rat's race feeling of trying to be something, become something, uh, you know, uh, develop your life, achieve all these things? What if there was a solution to end that rat's race feeling of trying to strengthen my identity to receive love, where you could actually learn how to be confident and free in yourself and not trying to impress other people around you. What if there was a solution that could help you to shift out of that? It'd be a great solution, wouldn't it? Is there anyone here who'd be interested in that solution? Just wave at me. Okay, good. All right. Just wave the other hand if you'd really be interested in that solution. Good. Okay, good. Well, let me tell you a story. Uh, the story goes that there was, uh, there was this 20-year-old guy, and... Um, he was very insecure um, and he was really needing approval from people around him because he wanted to, you know, be loved and he wanted to be accepted and he wanted to be, you know, seen as, as uh, someone who was, oh, wow, you're doing well. And uh, because he had this need for approval and he had this need for acceptance and he wanted to be loved by all these people, uh, what he did was he got on this treadmill called the rats race and he started you know trying to work really really hard to be, to kind of achieve these goals and do all these things and and he kept running and running and running on this treadmill uh, so that people would love him but what happened was the treadmill became so tiring and so frustrating because some of the times things that he would he would he set out to achieve he'd achieve but then he didn't get the recognition that he thought he would and so it was disappointment or some of the things that he set out to achieve he didn't achieve and it kind of felt like he fell over. And so this, this treadmill that was promising this reward of being loved and being liked and being approved and being accepted, being recognized, being rewarded, got more and more and more disappointing. But he was still on this treadmill, just running and running and running. So he decided that he had to have an escape from the treadmill. Mentally, he had to have an escape from the treadmill. Emotionally, he had to have an escape from the treadmill. Physically, he had to have an escape from the, from the treadmill. So he turned to things like drugs and alcohol to just veg out, chill out, escape this constant having to oh, work hard, work hard, work hard for someone just to recognize, hey, you know what? You're doing pretty well in life to be accepted. So he turned to drugs and alcohol as an escape from the constant ongoing need to be recognized and the constant pursuit for love from others. And then a day, then a day came when he realized that he was in a spiral. And because he was turning to drugs and alcohol and he, was, he realized that this thing called this rat's race just wasn't cutting the mustard, so to speak. It just wasn't delivering what it promised. Has anyone heard that analogy where you're kind of climbing up a ladder but it's leaning against the wrong wall? And so you get to the top of the ladder but you realize it's not actually gotten you to the place where you thought it eventually would have got you? Well, this is how this guy actually felt. 
And then a day came when he realized he was in a spiral and, a, and, and the rats race and he needed something bigger than himself to break out of his private prison of his soul. And so he called out to God to show up in his life. And he started praying to Jesus and God, everyone say God. God actually revealed himself to this young man through the word of God and through the presence of the Holy Spirit. God showed up in his life and was so real, it kind of really shook his life up in a good way. And so the young man started to connect with God, started to speak to God, ask God to come into his life and to to bring a shift, to help him to shift off this rat's race. And then the young man started to experience the undeniable true love of God that swept into this young man's cold, bitter, frustrated, disappointed heart. And it started to turn this young man's life around where the hurt, the frustration, the anger, the lost place of his heart that was filled with disappointment actually then became filled with his immense love and assurance and acceptance. There was nothing that this young man had to change or fix to receive this. The young man just said, God, if you're real, I need to know about it. Come and fill my life up. Because the way I'm going right now, it's getting worse and worse, and I need something bigger than myself. And so God's love, the love that we're going to talk about today, poured into this young man's life and assured him and affirmed him, let him know that he was accepted. Nothing had to change, that he was already loved unconditionally, that he didn't have to achieve another thing more. He didn't have to tick another box. He didn't have to improve another thing in his life that God absolutely adored him and loved him and that that God had sent his only son, Jesus, to die for him. And this immense love, this undefinable love, this true love just poured into this young man's life. And it absolutely turned this young man's life around where this young man started to feel confident, not in himself, but confident because God already first loved him. And so what happened was a massive shift took place. A massive turnaround took place and kept working in this young man's life where this young man was able to step off the heaviness and the weariness and the tiredness and the lack of delivery of the rat's race. And he was able to actually just enjoy God, just loving him. And then this young man's identity shifted from being cursed and broken and locked up in a prison to being set free, being full, being full of life and confidence. And then this young man started to live his life out of that initial place where God first loved him. Who thinks that's a pretty cool story? Well, it's a true story. Because that young man was me almost 20 years ago. And today, my life is nothing because of really me or God and what he's done. Today, my life is proof, proof, evidence, folks. Not an idea, not a hope, but proof. I'm a living testimony that God is real. I'm a living testimony that Jesus Christ turns lives around. So almost 20 years on today, my life is proof that your life, your life, my life, everyone's life is designed to be blessed. It's designed to be completely impacted by the love of God, that your identity is designed to connect with God first, to be made whole, to know who God is, why he created you, how much he adores you, that he actually knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb, that he had a thought and idea about you, that he had a plan and a purpose for you, that he has a destiny for you, that he loves you unconditionally. doesn't matter how many times you make a mistake, he loves you unconditionally. And that you were designed to actually live life out of that identity. You're designed to live out of that assurance, out of that acceptance, out of that love. You're designed to live life from that place rather than trying to do all of these things and achieve all of these things and be all of these things in order to feel worthy to then receive recognition and acceptance and approval from the world around you. 
who at the end of the day, even if they accept you or not, even if they applaud you or not, even if they praise you and recognize you or not, it still won't fulfill the need in your heart that's called the unconditional, undefinable, unlimited, eternal love of the true God that we're talking about here today. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about how amazing that love is and how true it is and how deep it is. And so I want to encourage you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7. If you've got your Bibles here, if you're new to the things of God or church, that's okay if you don't have your Bibles here. But if you have your smartphone, what's cool about Google is you can just Google 1 Corinthians even if you don't spell it right, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7, and it'll pop up. And what I love about this, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 as a chapter is actually a very popular uh, teaching uh, at most weddings because obviously the theme at weddings is love. But I want to particularly hone in on verse 7 today. And the Apostle Paul who wrote uh, 1 Corinthians, he wanted to bring a teaching to people when it was written through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to give people a greater measure of understanding of the love of God. Because he knew, like he had experienced, like I experienced, and like many of us here today have experienced, he knew that if people could come into a fuller understanding of the true love of God, how it would bless them, how it would really bless their, their identity, and how it would help to set them free. And so he teaches that uh, love here in verse 13 Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Can I get everyone to say protects? Can I get everyone to say trusts? Can you say hopes? And everyone say perseveres. And so first of all, where you see the word love, you can actually change with the word God. Because here it's talking about the love of God. It's talking about the pure source of love, where love originated from, where it comes from. Love is God and God is love. And so when we read this verse 7, God always protects. God always trusts. He always hopes. He always perseveres. And do you know what I love about this particular verse where it says the word always? See, it doesn't say 99 times out of 100, God protects. No, it says always, every time, every single time. God protects, he trusts, he hopes, he perseveres. Think about this. Think about when you can connect your identity to that love, when you can connect your sense of worth to that undeniable, uh, unfathomable, but also that faithful love, how blessed is your identity? How reassured do you feel? How affirmed do you feel? How strengthened do you become? that you don't have to put your reliance on uh, someone else recognizing how amazing you are or, or cheering you on because you performed well or you, you, you reached this goal or you created some amazing project. No, God says, apart from all of that, I love you because you're mine. I love you because you're my son. I love you because you're my daughter. I love you because you came from me. You're a part of me. And because of that, I don't want you and I to be separated. I adore you. And because of that, every single time, God protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres. See, true love does that all the time. And so if you're sitting here going, oh, well, maybe I'm not quite perfect when it comes to loving other people or, or loving myself. Well, you know what? No one here is perfect. That's the cool part. We don't have to be perfect. But the cooler part is that's why you and I need God, because God is the source of love. And what's cool is when we connect with him, first he blesses us and he strengthens us and he pours his love into us to enable us to be positioned. So we're not trying to reach out for all these different ways in which the world can love us, but we're, we're, we, we are assured of God's love. And so we come from a place of strength and a place of confidence and a place of assurance. And then we live life out from that place. We then can actually touch life and we can touch people and we can, we can love people because we come from that place. And so 99 times out of 100 is very good, but it's not always. Almost, 
is very good, but it's not always. Nearly is very good, but it's not always. Most of the time is very good, but it's not always. No human being can say that they always protect others, that they always trust others, that they always are hopeful of others, that they're, they're always persevering in reflection of others. No human being on planet Earth who's ever lived or whoever will live could ever claim that to be a true statement about themselves. But God, everyone say, but God. But God can. That's the, the amazing part of God's love. It is a supernatural quality that you and I get to enjoy when we connect with God, when we ask Jesus into our life. We can connect with, and this is the key starting point of how God shifts us out of a place where the Bible talks about uh, cursing. You know, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about cursing right now because I want to talk about the blessing, right? But you only have to be, you know, you only have to have one eye opened and look around the world today to see that there is this thing called cursing, right? You'd have to be pretty, like, blind to not see that there is a thing called cursing uh, where people have, you know, unfortunately have stuff in their life that's really going pear-shaped and there seems to be a cycle around that. So the great thing about God is, is that God wants to help everyone shift out of that into a place of blessing, of protection, provision. Um, and, to, and it starts with our identity being blessed with the experience of God's love and God's love being a supernatural thing that impacts us. So I want to go into this scripture, this verse 7 of uh, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. And I want to first talk about uh, that love always protects, that God always protects. And so the word protect, everyone say protect. The word protect comes from a Greek word called stego, stego, uh, meaning to cover. Everyone say cover. So the word protect means to cover. And so when God always protects, that love always protects, that God covers. God covers people. He protects them. And the word cover is related to the word roof. So it provides a shelter. The Bible actually talks a lot about that God is a shelter, that he's a refuge of strength, that he's a coverer, he's a protector, he's our shield. You know, just recently with the floods and with a cyclone, you know, such a strong analogy of life that sometimes out of nowhere, this life system called life, you know, a pear-shaped thing, something that we weren't expecting can come and sweep through our life and just throw everything up in the air. And, you know, I was listening to some of the journalists who were reporting, particularly on Hamilton Island, they said, statistically, the number one thing that's the most dangerous to human lives during a cyclone or a very, very bad wind-focused weather system is flying debris. That debris can just be picked up and just if, you, if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, it can, it can knock you and it can kill you. And so they were saying that that's why it's so important, particularly through a cyclone, to get shelter, to get undercover so you can be protected. You know what? Life sometimes is like that. That things can be thrown up in the air and hurtled towards us and we're not even ready for it. But the Bible teaches that when you and I are connected to God, when we have a relationship with the one true God, that He always protects. He always covers. He always shelters. That He provides a refuge for you and I to hide under so that even though we may experience a storm around us, even though things might be flying around us circumstantially, that those things are not going to knock us out. That they're not going to knock us out or knock us down. They might uh, make us position uh, in a place where we're we're trying to be wary of things or or whatever, and we're asking God to, to strengthen us and to cover us and to protect us. But God says that when He strengthens Strengthens you and when he covers you, that you will always be protected when you're with God. And so 1 Peter 4 8 says that the love, that love, 1 Peter in the Bible, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says that love covers a multitude of sins. That love covers. And that is precisely the meaning here. That even in that moment when you fall, spiritually, morally, you make a bad decision. That God first says, you know what? Turn to me. Come underneath my wing like Esther the eagle. Come underneath my wing. 
Let me cover you with my love. Let me shower you and wash you with my love. Let me reaffirm that even though that choice is not in alignment with your identity in me, let me reaffirm first your identity so that that sin or that shame or whatever it is can just can wash off. And now as I reaffirm your identity, now stand tall, turn and sin no more because that's not who you are. But then if you go on and you make another mistake, then God says, hey, come on. Come again. Because he always protects. He always protects. But when he's protecting, he's cleaning you, he's nurturing you, he's strengthening you, but he's edifying you, he's encouraging you to say, you know what, you're bigger than this choice. Come on, next time when I release you out of my wing, now be strengthened and go and not make that choice again. So through that place of confidence and love, we can step up and we can grow. But again, if we slip up, guess what? His love always protects. As long as we stay connected to him and we have a good identity of who God is and we don't think God will point the finger, as long as we've got a repentant heart because we're responding to the love of God, we understand that we come in under that wing again and he cleans us and he nurtures us and he strengthens us and he supports us and he edifies and says, you know what? Come on now. This thing that you're making a choice of, I'm going to cover you. But there's a benefit of me covering you, and that is to nurture identity, strengthen your identity so that you can start to walk in the decision-making pathway that's aligned now to your identity in me. You know, there's a story in the Bible about this uh, in the Old Testament with uh, Ruth, a woman of God called Ruth, and a man called Boaz. And this story is the, the Ruth is this young girl and she's not an Israelite by birth, but she actually, she was what the Bible teaches was a Moabite, but she marries into an Israelite family. So a family that believes in, in God and, but they'd all moved. The whole family had moved to Moab because there was a severe famine in Israel. But unfortunately the Bible talks about that Ruth's father-in-law and her husband, they both, uh, they die. And so therefore, uh, Ruth is left with her mother-in-law called Naomi. And so they decide to leave uh, Moab and to actually move to to return to Bethlehem. But in order to support her mother-in-law, because the father-in-law has now died, the husband has now died, there's uh, none of that in those times, none of the traditional provider, that Ruth then makes the decision to support her mother-in-law and herself. And so Ruth goes out to the fields to do work, to provide some provision so that they can eat and survive. And the field that she goes to actually belongs to a man by the name of Boaz, who actually happens to be a close relative of Naomi's husband. Now, what's interesting is because Boaz provided this opportunity for Ruth to do some work and to provide funds for Ruth and Naomi to eat and to survive, in the teaching of the time, in the tradition of the time of, 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 of the Jewish culture, Boaz actually was then known as what we call a kingsman redeemer. Everyone say kingsman redeemer. And as a kingsman redeemer, Boaz had certain responsibilities to the family of his dead relatives. And the kingsman redeemer was a near relative who acted as a protector of the family rights. And so this is what Boaz was called upon to do, that uh, he, he could buy back property that the family had mortgaged. He could provide an heir for a deceased brother by marrying the brother's wife and producing children with her. And he could also purchase, free, purchase them from freedom if they were in slavery. So what's interesting about just this story is it talks about covering and protecting. Now, I know we're talking about a man and a woman here and a family, but that's just a snippet of an example that God, in any situation that may seem broken, God actually wants to provide a covering and protection. God's love is all about protection. Uh, it's similar to the picture in the Old Testament book called Exodus, where um, you know God instructs Moses to tell the Israelites to take the, the blood of the lamb and put it on all the sides and the tops of the door frames to the houses so that when the angel of death comes, uh, that all of the people of God, their families would be spared. And the blood of the lamb provided a protection and a covering. Those posts were covered with the blood of the lamb 
as a sign that God was going to cover them so the angel of death had no impact on those households. Obviously, in the New Testament, the blood of, of Jesus does the same thing spiritually. When the blood of Jesus covers us and washes over us, it protects us from the power of sin and what the Bible teaches, the plan and the schemes of this very real thing called the enemy. Some people call him the devil, whatever you want to call him. And so there's this protection thing about the love of God. And so the same way Apostle Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that God always protects. He always provides a covering of protection. And so love, true love, is about cover. It's about protection. You think about your life. See, not every human being will speak well of you, but God will always speak well of you. He always protects. He always covers. See, not every human being will have an eye of love towards you. A lot of humans will have a critical eye. You may be doing something out of a good heart, but all they can see is what they don't like about you. Have you ever encountered or hung around someone where you can just sense that it doesn't matter what you do, what you say, they're always just looking through sunglasses of criticism towards you? And how does that feel? Do you feel protected? No. You feel uncovered. You feel vulnerable. You feel like it doesn't matter what you do, that there's going to be a finger that's pointed your way. Well, God is the complete opposite to that. That God actually looks at you with an uncritical eye. He's not critical of you. God also heals. So love covers up our hurts and our pains and our burdens and our sorrows. But also love is able to get in there and able to turn things around. I know that was true for me. God always protects. Can I hear everyone say, God always protects? All right, the next one, love always trusts or God always trusts. Trust. Oh, that's a big theme right there, isn't it? You hear a lot of people say, you know, there's a difference between forgiveness and trust. Well, there is. You know, someone can hurt you and you can forgive them, but not necessarily trust them. Straight away, you know, we had a great guest speaker from the US, Kathy Tollison, who recently was here, and she's a specialist in counseling and uh, has a background in psychology, but uses a lot of scripture and, and Bible teaching to bring freedom to people's lives, particularly with deep heart issues that are kind of locked up for years. And she talked a little bit just recently at a conference we had here about how, you know, you can forgive someone, but you're not necessarily going to, to, to trust straight away. But then again, that's called, you know, that's our human, that's our human heart. I know the Bible has some scriptures that talks about wisdom and, you know, being, uh, having boundaries and, you know, not sharing everything with everyone and making sure you're discerning. And, you know, there's wisdom and balance that comes with this. But what I think is important is to understand how when, when the Bible says that God always trusts, you know, what does that mean? Well, let me share this story with you, a story of a father who took his young son and stood him on the top of the dining table. And he took a step backwards and encouraged the little fellow to jump into his arms. Don't worry, I'll catch you, the father said confidently. And after a little coaxing, the little boy finally made the leap. And when he did, the father stepped back and let the child fall to the ground. Everyone say, ouch. He picked his son up, dusted him off and dried his tears. Now let that be a lesson, he said sternly. In this world, don't ever, ever trust anyone. You know, maybe, maybe you've heard that. Maybe you even think that. Maybe you've been hurt and you've made that vow to yourself. That's it. I'm never, ever going to trust anyone ever again at that level. But the Apostle Paul in the scripture says that love always trusts, meaning God always trusts. Love always trusts, not because it is gullible. This is the balance now. Because God's wise. He's not gullible. But because he is willing. Everyone say he is. You and I may not be every time because at the end of the day, we're not measuring this benchmark against ourselves because we're not God. But we're coming into the realization, understanding to bless us of how amazing our God is. But he, he always trusts, not because he's gullible, but he always trusts because he is willing to give people the benefit of the doubt. God's willing to give you and I and everyone the benefit of the doubt. 
He's always willing to give people a second chance. Always willing to give a second chance to people. Always. Not sometimes. God is always willing to give people a second chance. Now, we know that our time here is limited in this greater thing called eternity. So sometimes there are boundaries around that because sometimes, you know, not sometimes, but the Bible teaches clearly that when we click over to eternity, we need to have, you know, gotten our life in alignment with God and, and we need to reconnect with God, right? So there's, there's a time frame there. But within that time frame, because once we click over, you know, the Bible teaches that there's a certain direction that will end up in eternal life. And that's a whole other sermon. Everyone breathe in? Everyone breathe out? <sighs> right? But within this time frame, God is giving us second chances and second chances is always giving us second chances. Always. I want you to remember the last time you were given a second chance. Could have been from someone. Could have been from your mum and dad. Could have been from the person you're married to. Could have been from your child. Or maybe it was God himself. How did it feel to be let off the hook, to be given a second chance in terms of someone saying, you know what, okay, you let me down, but I believe, I believe in you. So I'm going to give you a second chance. How good does that feel? So the Bible teaches that God always trusts. He will always give you and I a second chance. Just put your hand on your heart. Just let that, just breathe that in. Bible teaches it's called revelation. When we chew on the word of God and we get a fuller understanding of it, just let that bless your heart that God always gives you a second chance. You know, I'm hearing God say that right now, as people are just breathing in and just meditating on that, that there's just some hardness of heart that's just melting in this place. Just melting. Thank you, Lord. Just softening. Just blessing our identity with how amazing God is. Okay, the third one is that love always hopes. You know, when we think about hope, uh, <clears throat> Barack Obama, what was his slogan? It worked for him for eight years. It was change, right? But I think, you know, I think, um, was it uh, Michelle Obama then started talking about the whole hope thing when they ended their campaign? Anyway, this is not a message on politics, whether you're into those candidates or not. Bless you. Um, this is more about talking about hope. And, you know, when you think about economic downturns and you think about uh, a cyclone <laughs> that just, you know, floods a whole region of a state and you think about uh, different things in the world that we see, you know, sometimes they say one of the best things you can do is to turn the news off, okay, so that you're not just, you know, a bucket with a hole in it where your hope just leaks out. But God always hopes, love always hopes. And so I want to share this story about the prodigal son that you may have heard of before. But there's no better picture of a love that always hopes than the story of the prodigal son. And so the son who rejects the father, rejects his family, rejects his upbringing, takes his share of the wealth and goes in search of the bright lights, the promise of the good life the parties, the freedom to live life as he chooses and how it must have broken his father's heart when that happened. But every day that the son was gone, the father, the Bible teaches in this story, the father goes out to the roadside and he looks. Everyone say looks. He looks and he waits and he longs and he hopes for his son to return. Now, we don't know how long the son was gone for. The Bible isn't that specific in the story. Might have been days, could have been weeks, could have been months or even years. But every day the father is there, hour upon hour, waiting, watching, longing, hoping for his son to return. 
And how do we know that? How do we know that every day he was positioned with hope? He didn't give up and go, oh, this is a waste of my time. The son's never going to return. This is hopeless. He never in the story reflected like that. Because when the son finally does return, it says that his father saw him coming while he was still a long way off. So the father was in position waiting for the son because he was always in position. He was always hopeful, always hopeful, always in position waiting for the son to return. And for him to see him coming from a long way off, then he must have been there looking, watching, waiting, hoping, because love always hopes. God always hopes. What a picture. So Paul is teaching here that your God, my God, or maybe if you don't know God, my encouragement to you is, hey, there is a God. I'm living testimony before you today that God always hopes to connect with you. Always hopes. I mean, how good is that? How, how amazing is it? Remember I said at the beginning, would you be interested in a solution if you knew that there was a God that had that type of love towards your life? How much of a blessing of your identity? I'm going to ask Jason to come. The last one is love always perseveres. Now, who here is into military, right? Who likes seeing documentaries to do with war? I'm fascinated when it comes to looking at military and strategy and all that kind of thing. When I was in Hawaii a couple of years ago and I got to visit Pearl Harbor and I got to go on the battleship that they actually signed the surrender documents of World War II. Fascinating. It's so funny because the Prime Minister of Canada uh, signed in the wrong place. <laughs> True story. Uh, and so when they realized that, the war couldn't actually officially end because he signed in the, in the place where I think, you know, the other prime minister or some other leader was supposed to sign. So the doc- document wasn't official. So they had to actually cross that out, do a, you know, like what you do if you sign the wrong place of a contract, they had to do like an initial and everything and, and rework it for a couple of minutes before World War II officially ended. Hilarious. You'd think that was a pretty big deal not to sign in the wrong place, right, to end a world war, but, you know, go figure. Bless you, Canada, if there's anyone from Canada here today. (laughs) But persevere, the word persevere, actually the word in the Bible where it says love always perseveres is a military term, and it means to hold a position at all costs. To hold a position at all costs, even unto death. So the battle may be lost, but the soldier keeps on fighting to the very end. That's the sign of God's love in terms of God always perseveres, love always perseveres. So love stands in position. Even when something seems not fantastic, it will stay in position. It will persevere. It doesn't just go, oh, oh, this is looking a bit pear-shaped. We better get out of here. It hangs on. It stands its ground and continues in spite of everything that can be thrown against it. It continues in spite of persecution. It bears the unbearable. It believes the impossible. It holds to the incredible. And it never, ever gives up. That's the love of God. The undefeatable love of God. I love this story. This is one of my favorite stories. In the 17th century, during the time of Oliver Cromwell, a soldier was condemned to die by execution. And I've mentioned this story a couple of times because it's one of my favorites. So if you've heard it before, just be blessed again. So a soldier was condemned to die by execution at the ringing of the curfew bell. So they had to wait for the bell before this soldier could be executed. This soldier was engaged to be married to a beautiful young girl, and with tears this girl pleaded with the judge and with Oliver Cromwell, who was a leader at the time, to spare this soldier's life. But it was all in vain. The preparations were made, and the city awaited the signal from the bell to ring. 
at the curfew for when then the assassin would come in and execute the soldier. So the bell ringer who was old and deaf threw himself against the rope as he had for years and he pulled it and he pulled it and he pulled it not realizing that the bell was not making any sound. And the girl who was in love with the soldier had climbed to the top of the bell ring and had reached out and had wrapped her body around the clapper, preventing the bell from sanding. So each time the bell ringer pulled the rope, she, her body was smashed against the sides of the bell, but the bell was silent. And eventually the clapper ceased to swing and although she was battered and her body bruised and smashed and she was bleeding, she managed to climb down and survived. And Oliver Cromwell demanded to know why the bell had not rung. And the girl arrived and told him what she had done. And the young man was set free. Love always perseveres. God always perseveres. I mean, think of what Jesus did on the cross for you and I. His body was absolutely broken. His blood was shed. He paid the ultimate sacrifice so you and I could come into the freedom of experiencing the undefeatable and amazing love of the Father. Is there anyone here who's getting just a fresh understanding of the depth of the love of God here today? Is there anyone here? I just want you to stand in this place. I'm going to ask some of the other musos to come, whoever's available, as we finish this morning. I'm going to ask one of our leaders, just one of our leaders, just to make a a quick message to the cafe team to let them know that we're finishing in case they're not aware that the service is about to finish. Thank you. Let's come into a time of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the message here. Lord, we thank you, Father, for you giving us greater revelation, Lord, about your love, Lord, that your love always, it always, it always perseveres. It always hopes, God. Lord, it always trusts. Thank you, Lord, that it always protects. So, Father, we thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask every person who believes in Jesus here to just start praying with me. Let's stir up our faith this morning. Let's activate our faith here, church. Come on now. Let's activate our faith. Let's stir up an atmosphere of faith. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Father, that you're stirring up faith here this morning. I thank you, Lord, that you're stirring up faith, oh God. You're stirring us up, Jesus. You're activating new faith in this place. I thank you, Lord, for the love of God to pour out this morning. Lord, that your love always, always protects Lord, that your love always trusts. I thank you, Lord, that your love always hopes, it always perseveres. And so, Father, we reach out to you today and we thank you, God, that your love is amazing. Lord, that we glorify you in this place and we we ask you, Lord, to fill this house, to fill an atmosphere of faith. Lord, to activate us today. Lord, so that we can start to celebrate the real love of God. Lord, that we can have joy and we can have freedom and we can say, God, you're not just an idea. You're not just an example, but God, you're real. You are real love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I want to finish this morning with an opportunity here for people to respond. but I'm going to ask you to respond after we do one more prayer. And I want everyone just to repeat after me this prayer. What we're going to do is in a fresh way, we're just going to ask the Lord, ask God just to enter our lives afresh.
whether you're a Christian here or not, I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, today I have a fresh understanding of your love. Your word says that you always protect, that you always trust, that you always hope, and that you always persevere. God, today, I want to connect with that love. I want to reconnect with that love. Jesus, enter my life. Enter my heart. Make me brand new. Make me brand new, Jesus. Stir up my heart. Stir up my faith. Now just repeat after me. God, forgive me of all sin. Forgive me of all my mistakes. Wash me clean. Set me free. Make me new. Thank you, God. Awesome. Now just look here. Maybe you prayed that prayer for the first time because maybe you've never felt connected to God before and this morning you're like, you know what? I really need to connect to that love, that love that's bigger than myself. So if that's you, in a moment I'm going to give you an opportunity. But also maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what, I've, I've prayed that prayer before. But today I really needed to pray it because I really needed to reconnect back to that love, meaning I needed to get my heart just to reconnect to the truth that God loves me, not because of what I'm doing or how well I'm doing it, but because God loves me just because I'm his. And maybe you prayed that prayer because you've realized that you need to start walking from that place of unconditional love rather than trying to perform in order to earn it and to run to it. So if if any of you can relate to a couple of those categories, this is what I want you to do. I just want you to step outside of your seat, come to the front, because I want to pray a particular blessing, a prayer blessing over you this morning. So come, if that was you this morning, come out of your seats and come to the front. I want to just finish with a particular prayer of blessing. Again, for those of you who want to hear those categories, maybe you're here today and you said that prayer for the first time. Like, you know what? I really need to connect to that love in a fresh way this morning. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to come to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to specifically reward you by being bold and stepping out. I want to pray a particular prayer of blessing upon you today. And maybe you're here and you say, you know what? I've prayed that prayer before, Pastor Brad. But today, I had to really pray it again. There's something in that for me. You know what, Pastor Brad, I I really needed to, my heart really needed to re-engage with the the revelation that God loves me absolutely, perfectly now the way that I am, that I don't need to become something. I don't need to perform in any way. I don't need to improve myself in any way. I don't need to kick any other goal, but I'm purely accepted right now as I am by Him. And if that's you, I want you to come. Don't hesitate. Just come. Thank you, Jesus. Beautiful God. Lord, I thank you, Father, for all these ones at the front. And I thank you, Father, that you're pouring out, Lord, just a blessing. I hear God saying this, if you're standing at the front here in front of me, that God has something particular for you right now. So position yourself, however that is, hands raised, hands out, just to receive. God just wants to just to, to do something. I hear God saying that he's going just to do some heart surgery. Not because there's necessarily anything drastically wrong, but God is wanting to do some heart surgery to set some new freedom 
in your life so you can run forward without restriction. Father, right now, I'm going to ask everyone else who's not at the front to start praying for these people. Put your hands, activate your faith. Father, I thank you, Lord, right now. Lord, let there be like a supernatural release of heaven in these ones' lives at the front. Lord, such a release of freedom. Father, we pray, Lord, that you're releasing shackles off their identity. Lord, you're breaking expectation off them right now. Lord, you're breaking a a pressure to perform off them right now. Jesus, Jesus, Father, you're breaking off expectation. Thank you, Lord. Minister to his heart, Father. Lord, that you absolutely adore him. You absolutely adore him, Lord. That he is your treasured boy, Father. Beautiful God. Thank you, Lord, that you're setting her free. You're setting her free, Jesus. You're setting her free, Lord. You're setting her free. You're setting her free. God says, I'm going to teach you to think a whole new way. And from that place, I'm going to teach you to live a whole new way. God says, daughter, this is a season to no longer fear, but to let me into those places where you felt isolated and lonely. God says, let me in. Let me in. Those places that you've let others in and they've hurt you, God says, I won't let you hurt, let them hurt you again. Because God says, I want you to let me in. I will always protect you, says God. You can always trust me, says God. God says, I love you unconditionally. But this is a day where the shame is melting away. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, release, release freedom, release freedom, release freedom. I hear God saying that he's given you such a level of intelligence and a a mind to think, but I'm hearing God saying that he's doing surgery on your heart today because there are things that run through in your head that you understand, but sometimes they don't drop into your heart. And sometimes you feel there's an emptiness and a void on, on the inside. And God says, the only thing that can fill it is me. And I hear God say that sometimes you've run to this and you've run to that. And you've sought understanding and revelation from this source and that source and this source and that source. But I hear God saying that there's an important turning point for you today. And that is your compass will never be sharp enough unless you give it focus of the true north. I'm hearing the Lord say that it's important for you to give your life to Jesus and to recognize him as the one true God. Are you okay to do that today? Can I get you to just repeat after me? Dear Jesus, I recognize you as the Son of God. And today, I give you my life. I ask you to come into my life and forgive me of all my sin. I thank you, Lord, that you're washing me clean, you're setting me free, and that you're making me born again of the Holy Spirit. Today, I am a Christian. Today, I give my loyalty to Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, Father, fill her with the power of the Holy Ghost. Fill her with the power of God. Father, wash away the other things that have held her back, that have hindered her. Set her free today. I hear God say, as you make room for Jesus in your heart, that he's going to pour in and a lot of the head knowledge that hasn't quite helped you, there's going to be a resurrection of your heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Set her free today. Lord, make her brand new. Thank you, Lord. Father, activate, Lord, just a a stronger revelation of your heart for him, Father. Lord, I thank you, Father. I hear God saying this is a turning point for you 
in that he's going to bring you into your own. For you're no longer going to look to the left or the right. You're coming out of a season of comparison. And you're coming into a place of identity. You're coming into a place of knowing who you are. God says, I'm going to glean you and I'm going to raise you up and I'm going to refine you and I'm going to teach you. I'm going to challenge you, says God. At times I'm going to correct you. But God says that today I'm putting my bit in your mouth and I'm putting my saddle on you. And God says, I'm going to ride you. I'm going to, I'm going to steer you. I'm going to guide you. And I'm going to take you to a place of fulfilled potential. And I'm breaking off. I'm breaking off today. I'm breaking off today that feeling of just not quite making it, not quite living up to it. I'm setting you free from that today. It's been locking you up, says God. It's been holding you back. God says you are amazing. You're a mighty warrior. You're a smart man, says God. And I've equipped you with everything that you need to be everything I've called you to be. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the confidence, Lord, within him. For who he is, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, release, Lord, your power upon this couple. Activate, Father, your power right now. Lord, we activate, Lord, even a Holy Spirit stirring within them, Father. And I thank you, Lord. that there is a, such a, a new level of vision and dream that you place within them, Father. And we thank you, Lord, Lord, that you're sharpening them as leaders and you're sharpening and equipping them, Lord, as people uh, to uh, actually raise others up, Father. Lord, but we also thank you, Father, Lord, for uh, the past that you brought them out of. And we thank you for their family, Father. And even today, Lord, with them, Lord, we stand in the gap for their family. And we thank you, Lord, there's going to be continue, continue breakthrough over their family and within their family, Lord. But, Father, we thank you, Lord, for an activation right now Lord, of a release of identity. And I hear God saying that he's breaking off performance. And even though you'll set goals and you're set to achieve things, God's saying that today you're going to run from that place of who you are in God, not trying to be something, not trying to become something, to tick the box. So then you step into the things of God. But God says you've already arrived. Now it's time to run from that place that I've made you, that I've molded you. And God says that I'll continue to work with you, but I'm going to enable you now to run from that place place of identity. Father, we break off expectation. Lord, we break off, Lord, the heaviness of performance. We break off, Lord, the pressure, Lord, to be everything and to improve at an accelerated rate. Father, we thank you, Lord, the acceleration will still stay with them for growth, but Lord, they're going to run with a new lease of freedom in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this great woman of God. We thank you, Lord, that you're activating a new boldness within her, Father. Lord, we thank you, Father, for her identity. And I hear... Uh, Salada, that God's saying that there is such a new uh, release of revelation of who you are in God that God's going to release into you. And I hear this. God wants you to approach the word of God, not in a different way, but in a new way. And I'm hearing God say there's been times when you've seen different examples of how to be a Christian and how to be a woman of God, but there's been a heavy pressure about it. And I hear God say this, that he wants you to enjoy this season of freedom and this season of a lightening of the load. I hear God say that there's been a sense of, you know, maybe uh, I'm not doing this or I'm not doing that or, or I need to get my fingers here. I need to get busy. And I hear God saying that there's been an identity forming of you in the past from other people where busyness has had to be an an attachment to your identity. And I'm hearing God say that he's breaking that off this morning, that that your identity is not based on your busyness. It is not based on all of your doing, but that God loves you for who you are. And I hear God say this, don't underestimate the breakthrough that you're going to experience when you come from that place. And God says this, I want you to take some strategic time. I want you to take some time in the word. I want you to take some time in prayer. But I'm hearing God say this, It's time to shift for a moment in a season out of just focusing on the warfare. And it's now more about some devotional. I hear it's like there's an intimacy that God wants to build with you. You're such a strong fighter. I hear God saying you're such a warfarer. But I hear God saying this, but if you always are positioned as the soldier, there'll always be a weariness that's attached to your identity in fighting for the Lord. 
And God's saying, it's time, daughter, now to just take, take some of the, the battle-weary stuff off and come deep into my presence and come deep into my word because I'm wanting to put some ointment in some of those battle wounds and I'm wanting to bring a new direction and a new battle plan for you. God says, I'm wanting to build your identity in me without having to be attached to doing something. Jesus. Just love on her this morning, God. Pour in, God. Thank you, Lord. Hello. Hey, did you want some prayer? Okay. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. Let's just put your hands towards these last two ladies here as we finish. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this great woman of God, Lord, that you would minister to her this morning. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you would uh, enable her, Lord, to just receive the revelation of how much you love her, God. Lord, fill her up from top of her head to the bottom of her feet, Lord. Fill her up with your love. Fill her up, God. Fill her up, Jesus. I hear God attend that God's saying that there is a, a new facet of him that he wants you to explore. God's saying, yep, you've been to lots of seminars and teaching and conferences, but God says there's more of me. And God says, I want you to explore that, that this is a season of discovery, says God. Father, I thank you, Lord, Lord, that you'd bless her today with that revelation. I thank you, Father, for hope that you'd bless her today. Lord, activate, Father, Lord, that shift in her identity, Lord. Lord, where she's being blessed because you love her unconditionally. Lord, not because of what she's doing for you or, Lord, what she's got on her goal list, Father, that because you already love her, Father, Lord, that she wants to run from that place. Lord, activate that in a fresh way today, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Let's just finish off with, uh, with one last prayer. Father, right now, we thank you, Lord, for a release of freedom in people's lives, that you would activate, Lord, Lord, that understanding that today, Lord, we're running from that place of, of being loved unconditionally. Lord, that you're lightening the load. Father, Lord, that your love, Lord, always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. God, we thank you for how good you are in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Let's give God a clap offering.